Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Delighted to see you here, Alan, and delighted that we've got to this particular juncture where we can celebrate our 15th anniversary. Uh, it's a great occasion. It's a great time to be able to mark the the achievement of the Opera House. Firstly, in terms of uh, being constructed here in Wexford, and in terms of the the work which has been done here for the last 15 years which uh, from our point of view is, is very gratifying to see the, the scope and range of work which is now being presented. It's established itself now as one of the, the real go-to venues for people who want to perform at a very high level. So we have a very good relationship established now with all the promoters who bring that type of work to Wexford. And it's great to see them coming here and it's great to see them coming back and it's great to see the audiences turning out. But as you look back over the, the work which is now done here, and you look at the, the theatre, the music, the dance, the comedy, it's all at an extremely high level, mm. usually with international acts or internationally renowned acts. And that's what we set out to do. Um, but it has been a long journey uh, over the last 15 years because of the many challenges. But there's an extraordinary team here who dig in and have great resilience in the, in the face of adversity. And it's some of the characteristics of what really defines the place is the team who work here. As you, as you reflect on what happened over the last few years um, during the pandemic when the lights were out and things got very dark in more ways than one, how did you keep the spirits up? Well, I, I think there were two you know, strategic challenges. If you go back to when the, when the Opera House opened back in September 2008, um, exactly one week after the day we opened the door, was the day Lehman Brothers collapsed. And that started the global financial crisis. That happened seven days after we opened here. Mm. So once you were into that spiral where we were into a financial collapse that really had a huge impact on financial well-being and people's well-being in Ireland, we were actually starting a new business at probably what was the the worst time ever in in the history of the state. Uh, And that was a huge challenge to work out how we navigated our way through those years. Uh, but we navigated our way through and we worked out how to make the building work. Yeah. Uh, and then when the pandemic came around, we were really operating at a very consistent level. We had a pipeline full of bookings in terms of programming, which was scheduled to come in here. And then overnight in, in March, mm. we got the notice that we needed to shut down, as did all of the venues around the country. But it was difficult. Yeah. And then once the pandemic cleared, And remember, there was a couple of false starts in the clearance. We thought we were out and then we were back in. When we were out, it was a difficult period to build back up. And now you're back and you're out of it. And how has it been going since you've come back? Oh, it's it's been going great. We're really pleased with uh, we're really pleased with this year and next year is looking really strong again. We have really good programming in uh, in the bag for next year. We have a very good run in to the end of this year. Um, and we are getting more and more uh, booking further and further out in time. So as people coming back, they're, they're booking for 24, they're booking uh, to do performances in late 24 and into 25. Now, I think you're a pains to point out as well, the National Opera House runs as a separate organisation to the Opera Festival, but you are yeah. linked a bit as well. Though, oh, yeah, look, I mean, this, this is uh, something that just, you know, makes sense, um, that the, the Opera Festival has to run... Uh, an internationally renowned opera festival. And that's a full-time job for a lot of people. 
and you need to allow them to do that job mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be distracted by working out is there sufficient programming in the opera house for the period when they're not doing the festival so it just made management sense to have a group of people responsible for the management of the festival and a group of people responsible for the management of the house outside the festivals. I conclude as we congratulate you on all that's been achieved and wish you well for the future by just reminiscing of a, a mutual friend. Well, we had two, John O'Connor, John, who yeah. was uh, sadly passed and was, yeah. a, was a great friend of both of us and on yeah. stage with both of us in, in Wexford Drama Group. And Jerome Hines, because as a young broadcaster, I sat with him and he showed me the plans for this building long before it was built. Yeah. Uh, how do you think both those gentlemen would look on this? What would they think? Oh, I think this is an occasion they would both love to be here. I, I could see Jerome standing at the door rubbing his hands the way that he used to do as people came in, thinking, yeah, this is what we wanted to do. This is yeah. what we were after. Um, and it's, it's, it's gratifying to think of their contribution to what has been created here because they were part of the story and they remain part of the heritage and we don't forget them. Happy birthday. Thank you very much, Alan. And that was Paul Hennessy. Well, what's it like to work here technically? I have with me Phil Jennings, the technical manager at the National Opera House. Thanks for talking to me, Phil. Yeah, thanks very much, Alan. So, I mean, technically, to, to coordinate a building like this, it's a massive job. So, basically, what do you do? Yeah, well, look, I suppose there's a couple of strands to what I do. I suppose one big part of it is liaison with the companies who are coming into us. So my job would be to liaise with them very early on. So a couple of months before they're coming to us, I'd be talking to them. We'd be looking at their specs, what they're planning on doing, and the best way for them to do it. And I suppose the second part of them, what I do is we have a very dedicated team of technicians in the building here. And a huge part of my job is just to give those guys the tools and equipment that they need to be able to do that in an efficient way, I guess. And you've got two theatres here. Right, so uh, obviously the technical demands in both those theatres, the more compact Jerome Hines and the Tony O'Reilly Theatre, uh, what are the main demands, say, with, with the bigger theatre? Well, with the bigger stuff, we're seeing a lot of commercial arts coming in, so we're seeing a lot of music, and so that takes a lot of manpower. You know, we put a lot more crew on that than we would need to put on, say, a one-man comedy act downstairs in the Jerome Hines Theatre. They're the really big things and I think the really nice thing about uh, the Jerome Hines Theatre downstairs in particular is it really suits um, our local amateur events. I think we have a lot of local companies who have sort of made that their home and they find a a particular beauty in that room. It's a very small, intimate room and uh, it feels like you're really playing to your audience because they're they're no more than a couple of metres away from you. So so I I think that's a real charm, a real charm of the the Jerome Hines Theatre and it sort of makes it a completely different place to to the O'Reilly. I like to tell people, you know, we're uniquely located in the heart of Wexford Town here and that poses certain challenges um, and no more is, is... access so it takes a lot of logistics and a lot of conversations back and forth to be able to get Daniel O'Donnell's 40 foot truck into our loading dock because uh, as, as you know your listeners will be well aware we're, we're beautifully located up here in High Street but it's no mean feat to get a 40 foot truck uh, off the quay or off a boat sometimes mm-hmm. and up the quay uh, up the side streets and into our loading dock here at High Street. But it's done. It is done and look a, a huge part of that is we've got very um, very appreciative um neighbours around us here and they're very uh, appreciative for all the work we do and they accommodate us no end so we're, we're very blessed to have such such good neighbours around us here on High Street. Wish you well. Thanks very much Alan. 
I'm joined by Nikki Keogh, who's the front of house manager, and Phyllis McCarthy, who's the stage door supervisor. Nikki, first of all, happy birthday. Alan, thanks very much. 15 years, is it? Yeah, 15 years. Imagine that. Who'd have thought it when we moved in in 2008 for the Late Late Show just prior to that festival? And it was just explained to me, you're a busy man. You wear a number of hats here. Yeah, well, at the moment, well, go back to 2008 when we moved in here, I was the volunteer bar manager. Um, and when the place opened up after the festival of that year, so when we started taking in shows, um, they asked me would I be front of house manager. Uh, but at the moment, I'm the front of house manager, and I'm also the company manager for the opera festival. So I'm going into I'm kind of more in that role at the moment because the house is quiet because rehearsals start for the opera festival. Yeah. Uh, so for the next eight weeks, I'll be doing the daily schedule, making sure everybody gets here to Wexford and all that kind of stuff. That's that's the job I do at this time of the year. How much do you enjoy it? I love it. Well, sure, I've been involved since I was kind of in secondary school, you know, mm-hmm. um, with the Light Opera Society and the Opera Festival. I was on the stage crew as a volunteer for years. Then I moved front of house and I'm here ever since. AVA. What's AVA? Audiences, volunteers and anecdotes. Oh. So let's talk to me about audiences then. Audiences, yeah. Well, audiences are strange people. <laughs> uh, we normally have, on most nights, they're seamless. You know, you've no problems. Uh, but there is nights where you have people getting sick, people feeling unwell, mm. um, people that have seats in the circle who don't like heights. So I don't know why they don't think of that when they're booking their seats. But oftentimes you have to try and find them a seat downstairs. And when it's a sold-out gig, it's kind of impossible. Mm. Um and of course, we we would be dead on our feet if we didn't have the volunteers. The volunteers work tirelessly throughout the year, not only for the Opera Festival, which would have been the original idea of the volunteers because they only ever worked at festival time. Now they work, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them also volunteer for the National Opera House. And some of them would be here three and four nights a week doing front of house, showing people to their seats, making sure everybody's all right. Um, so it's a huge commitment from the volunteers, but I, I coordinate all that outside of festival time. And now, most importantly, the anecdotes. Well, I do remember one of the very first events we had on in the Opera House, again going back to Light Opera, was the producers, the, the first show we did here. Mm. And um, on the second night, I think it was, you know that the show at the very start, there's a little bit of language that's mm. a little bit inappropriate for some people. There happened to be four nuns from Bunclody sitting in the founder's circle. And the minute this came out of George Lawler's mouth, they up out of their seats and out the door. We've never seen them ever since. So that's one anecdote. Les Mis is my favourite musical mm. of all time. Colin Wilkinson performed here twice, is that right? He did indeed, yeah. I can't remember how long ago that was. Phyllis 2009. To remind us. 2009. 2009, yeah. I'm only saying that because I have it on yeah, my list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was a fantastic night. Yeah. That was a fundraiser for... The Gambia, I think, that Father Tom Dalton organised, as far as I can remember, remember that's what it was. Yeah. You've had snow patrol here? We've had snow patrol. I wasn't here that night myself. I was on holidays, but Phyllis was here, and I think it was a, f- a great night. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. I'll bring in Phyllis, because yeah. Phyllis, let's start with you and, and your stage door supervisor. What does that role entail? Um, just being here all the time when anybody is coming into a show like the children's shows any of the artists that are coming it's important that there's somebody to greet them at the door uh, show them maybe where their dressing rooms are um, be there to answer just general questions so started helping out through festival loved it 
uh, worked then a lot with uh, the late great Jerome Hines and um, yeah we worked very well together and of course there was the only other time you'd be in the opera house then other than festival was for the light opera because it was the old opera house you know so we got great fun then for light opera as well all the shows I was involved in some of them uh, and when I wasn't I was out as a volunteer helping for me the best uh, show probably was Snow Patrol it was amazing, absolutely amazing. And another one that was terrific too was Leo Sayre. And that was on on the 9th of March. Yeah, uh, I spoke to him before. I'm a huge Leo Sayre fan and I spoke to him before he yeah. came here. Orchard Road, my favourite song. Yeah. And uh, it was sold out performance. And I can remember I was working front of house. I remember locking up and turning off the lights and thinking, whoever missed that concert now really has missed out. Yeah. But little did we know, the following day, the whole world went on its axis because the place closed down it was COVID look it's a pleasure to talk to you so I'll conclude as we leave here now for the moment as we wish you happy birthday one you mentioned about Leo Sarah but is there any other standout memory for you Phyllis uh, yeah I'd have to say Daniel O'Donnell probably one of the kindest people I've ever actually come across because we have a lovely volunteer who unfortunately uh, got Alzheimer's and uh, she was known to Daniel and when he arrived um, he you know he'd always stop to say hello at stage door to see how you are and I mentioned to him did he know that this lady had got Alzheimer's he said he did and would she like to come and see him before the show and he was absolutely fantastic with her I must say he was kindness personified Nikki, I leave the final word to you then so you are from the house manager so your own standout memory um, I suppose my own standout memory would have been um Welcoming the audience in for the Late Late Show. You know, that was the very, very first night that we opened the doors. I remember being here that afternoon with Tom Murphy. You know, Tom that used to work in the Talbot. Tom was a great volunteer as well. And he was, myself and himself ran the bar in the theatre when it opened in the Opera House. And we were here that afternoon getting ready. We didn't know whether the taps were going to work, whether the tills were going to work, whether the toilets had flush. But it went off a dream. The place was fantastic. And it was just, it was a great pride to stand in the building and open the doors for the first time and invite an audience in. So that's a lasting memory for me, anyhow. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Southeast.